Hey, I'm Jorge Corona, producer of podcasts and one of the video directors here at The Verge. And uh, I have a little, a little treat for your hungry ears. Um, earlier this week uh, at Code Mobile, the conference that our partner Recode puts up in California, our transportation editor Chris Ziegler was there to sort of talk about how he thinks that car makers should they should embrace Silicon Valley and uh, how he thinks that that's basically the way of the future in car manufacturing. Um, not only are we gonna well, I'll let him tell you all of that. Here it is from Code Mobile, Recode's Julia Borston talking to the Verges Chris Ziegler. Chris, you follow the space very closely, and it seems like from our conversations like there, <laughs> that there are three main areas to talk about here. There's the connected car, the cars we're in today that are getting right. more and more sophisticated. Then there are autonomous cars, yep. and perhaps what Apple's working on. And then there's this whole idea of what that all means for car ownership, car, car sharing, and whether 30 years sure. from now, none of us will own a car. Um, and I want to talk, cover all of these, but first, after that presentation and that conversation that was just on stage, We've got to talk about autonomous vehicles. There was some news today from Volvo, which seems like it could really push this all forward and the reality of autonomous vehicles forward. Tell us about that. So what Volvo did today was they announced that um, they would accept all liability for any collision, any crash involving one of their self-driving cars, um, which I think solves one of the biggest intractable issues um, in, in that entire space. Because the looming battle, one of the many looming regulatory battles here was that nobody wanted to pick up the responsibility for what happens when one of these things crashes. Um, And if you look at Google's cars, maybe they won't crash. That seems a little blue sky to me. Um, Inevitably, at some point, something is going to happen. Who's responsible for that? Is it the person who's in the car? Is it... The, the, whoever is, is maintaining the roadway that the car is on? Is it the other driver? Is it the manufacturer of the, of the vehicle? Volvo is saying, we're just going to take, the, we're gonna take that on. So does that indicate that they're so confident that the cars aren't going to crash that much that they want to make that clear? I think that's a part of it. Um, I mean, I, I, if you look at what Google uh, has been able to do so far in Mountain View and Austin, which is their, their, two, um, their two markets where they're testing their self-driving cars right now, um, they, they haven't had any collisions involving their vehicles that have been the responsibility of the car. The car has not been at fault. Um, now, granted, they haven't tested in inclement weather. They haven't tested uh, in really like heavily urban environments. Imagine putting one of Google's cars in Manhattan. That's a very different situation than, say, Austin. Um, but so far, it's looking good. So I think that um, given that they have another three to five to seven years of technical development ahead of them before these actually go to any sort of commercial release. Um, And that's, again, that's a very optimistic view. It could be longer than that. I think that it is safe for them to say, look, we're confident. We think that these things aren't going to crash. So this Volvo news, you think everyone else is going to follow, or will they have to follow because Volvo has set that standard? It puts everybody in a pretty tough position. Um, I'll give you an example. Tesla, a couple years ago, um, released... Um, it's patent, a, a bunch of patents around uh, charging and around EVs. Um, Toyota ended up doing the same thing around hydrogen 
about a year later. So I think that, there, that there's this domino effect in the industry where once something like that happens, everybody else starts to follow suit. And this in particular, because self-driving is not going anywhere, makes the news on a daily basis now. And this, again, it, this is one of the biggest issues that's sort of holding the industry back. And once you have someone who's willing to take the blame for these things, uh, I think that that gets us over a pretty big roadblock. Okay, so let's talk about Apple. What's your outlook the room. for the Apple car? <laughs> so I, I think it's safe to say at this point, where there's smoke, there's fire, and there's a lot of smoke. Uh, this car exists. I, 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 it, you haven't it must. seen it. I, I wish. <laughs> yeah. I wish I had seen it. Um, but, but I think it absolutely is a real thing. Uh, the question is, how, A, how, how seriously are they taking it? A lot of unanswered questions there. And B, what form does it take? Is, this, um, is there end game a ride-sharing service where uh, end consumers don't actually own the vehicles? I think if they're aiming for a 2019 release, which is the most recent rumor, that's a little aggressive for a fully autonomous vehicle, right? Um, so a lot of automakers are saying 2020 at the earliest. And even that, I think, is... I tend to err on the side of pessimism with this stuff, so I, I think even that's a little aggressive. Um, so... That means that they're going to have to put uh, drivers at the wheels of these things, at least in some situations, if they're, if they're hitting the road in 2019. So we'll see. Um, again, if, if, if this comes to market, that would be a Gen 1 for them. And I'm sure, as with everyone else in the Valley, the end game is a fully autonomous vehicle. I'm sure that they're going to try to get there. But 2019 is a little aggressive for that. So how is the traditional auto industry responding to all of this and to, to the likes of Apple getting into the business? Sure. Um, they're pushing hard on self... I mean, everybody's pushing hard on self-driving. Um, but it, taking self-driving out of the equation for a minute, um, just looking at Apple as a new entrant into the business, I'm, <laughs> I'm seeing a lot of sort of calm, cool, collected responses to it. And, of course, the, the industry has to, has to uh, act confident um, in, in, in light of that, right? But I think that... Look, at, it's no joke. Apple has a lot of... Um, roadblocks to getting a popular vehicle on the road, and they can't just walk in. I'm, 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 uh, I'm sort of repurposing a famous Ed Colligan quote from, from a decade ago, but it, it is very difficult to just walk into this business and take it over. I'm not saying they can't. We saw it happen with the iPhone. Um, but, uh, but the challenges are not small, and I think that uh, the rest of the industry has enough leeway, has enough runway on this so that they are preparing, and I think that we're going to see a variety of companies, including the, you know, the, the giants like GM and Ford and others, uh, hit the market with self-driving and fully autonomous cars around the same time that they're able to, um, because the, the long lead on that is regulatory. It's not technical. And I think that everybody's on the same page there. So I think that they're, they're going to be competitive by the time an Apple car comes out. But again, we, we don't know anything about it. Maybe we're completely wrong about what Apple's trying to do with this car. So who knows? We'll see in 2019. So shifting gears back to what the automakers are doing now with the cars that are on the road, yep. this idea of the connected car. Tell me a little bit about the battle or the, the push and pull between the automakers who are embracing the iOS and the Android platform and mm -hmm. those who want to maintain control themselves. Sure. So um, Android Auto and CarPlay are both in vehicles now. Um, it's been sort of a protracted uh, process to get those uh, on, on the road, but they are now. But what we're seeing is that different automakers are, um, are, ad are adopting those platforms at wildly different rates. And to some extent, you can say, well... The, the engineering cycle for a vehicle is so much longer than it is for, say, a cell phone that 
you can explain away some of that. You can say, well, the reason why someone like Ford hasn't put CarPlay and Android Auto in every vehicle yet is because it takes five years to, from, to get a, a new vehicle from a sheet of paper to the road. But um, the, the counter to that is that companies like GM and Volkswagen, ha- basically every single one of the, car, one of the cars that they sell in 2016 uh, either comes with CarPlay and Android Auto or is, you, you can option it in. So, so then you, you start to run into a different battle, which is, um, it, do they just not want to put it in the car? And it, historically, if you go back 10, 20, 50 years, the car industry is a very design-centric uh, industry, a very design-centric business. And uh, these companies don't want to cede control of any part of that. Inc- that includes the interior of the, of, of the vehicle. And when you say, well, the dashboard, that belongs to Apple now. That belongs to Google now. That's a, that's a tough sell. Uh, and we're seeing companies like BMW and Toyota be very resistant to that. Uh, Toyota hasn't announced any intention um, to, to put those platforms in the car. And they're actually countering it by adopting Ford's proprietary platform uh, for their own apps in the vehicle uh, with, with their own UI. So who's going to win in this? You, is Toyota going to win by resisting the, no, this the is, Google and Apple behemoths? I, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty confident that this is a futile fight. Um, and it happens during any phase of disruption in any industry. There's this, there's this battle to say, no, we're going to keep doing what we've always done, and we're going to be successful with it. And I think that what's going to happen is this is the last generation of vehicles or maybe the next generation of vehicles where um, you can get away without having really rich, deep support of the smartphone. Everybody owns a smartphone now, um, and everybody just expects to be able to continue using that in the vehicle in a safe way. Um, and... Right now, people aren't aware of Android uh, Auto and CarPlay. It's not something that they're asking for, but that's not going to be true, true in five years. So. And do you think there will be a winner between Android Auto and CarPlay, or will they both be as ubiquitous as the, the two? Right. No, no I, I don't think that there will be a winner, and that's because people aren't buying a smartphone based on how good CarPlay or Android Auto is. It's just an extension of the phone. So if you own an iPhone, uh, you'll look for CarPlay support. If you own a, an Android phone, you'll look for uh, Android Auto support. And car makers that are supporting those platforms are being pretty good about supporting both. Uh, so I don't think that's going to be a, a deciding factor. Um, so to talk a little about the car sharing business, mm-hmm. how are the traditional automakers addressing it? They're, they're being, this has always been a, one of the most interesting uh, uh, things that I've covered um, in this in this business is that um, car companies logically you'd say well they're going to push very hard to make sure that there's a car in every driveway, mm-hmm. uh, but they're or being two or cars in every driveway exactly, um, and they're being instead they're being surprisingly aggressive about adopting uh, ride sharing and car sharing pilots. Everybody's doing it. BMW has pilots, including one in the valley here. Um, that they're actually discontinuing shortly. Mercedes has them. Mercedes has an interest in Car2Go, which is a, um, available in several markets. Um, GM, Ford, everybody is looking at this. And again, I think it's that they, are, they have become so cognizant of the potential for disruption of their industry that they're just pushing very hard to get ahead of it. And they say, well, if, look, if, if people aren't going to own their, their own car, we want to be the ones servicing those people. And so they're, you know, they're trying to get there. So everyone's testing these different things, it sounds right. like. Um, but 
you said one of those tests was discontinued, um, and then GM, I think, is moving forward with more tests for a ride sharing, a car sharing service. They are. In, they are testing in New York. New York. Mm-hmm. Um, which of these companies has been most innovative, and which one do you think is going to be most successful? That's a good question. Um, I, I think it's probably a, a, a dead heat for innovation. GM would tell you that they have um, a lead because uh, they've been doing connected car for nearly 20 years with OnStar. Um, I, I, I'm not quite sure that that fully explains what's actually going on. Doesn't necessarily translate. Exactly. Versus, yeah. Exactly. Very different. And also, uh, automakers now are being pretty good about installing at least Wi-Fi, if not full cellular, in their vehicles mm-hmm. that they're that they're uh, uh, bringing off the assembly line. So I don't think that GM necessarily ha- has a lead there. Um, but it's it's going to come down to a: Do they offer the vehicles that? people want to, to car share, right? Uh, so it, in some ways, it gets back to the same questions that you ask when uh, you're, sho- you're shopping for your own vehicle. Is, you know, a, I'm going to be using this, this car sharing service for going to Ikea once every other month and picking up a giant piece of furniture. Do they make an SUV that's big enough? Mm-hmm. So for instance, that, that GM program you mentioned in New York, every single vehicle that they offer in the pilot is an SUV. And I think that they realize that people living in Manhattan, when they drive in Manhattan, it's not for pleasure. It's because they need to go pick something up. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I think that will factor into it. Um, and do you, th- you don't think that one of these services is going to emerge victorious? I mean, it, it, it's, it's possible that in the long term we'll see some sort of um, um, uh, coalition form where several of these companies will get together and say, okay, we're going to offer this service where, that allows you to rent these three or four different brands. Uh, but right now, it's still very early. Um, so I, I think we could see another five or ten years of these pilot programs. I'm sure at CES next year, uh, someone's going to get on stage and announce a new se- uh, set of pilots uh, because they're still trying to figure it out. And ten years from now, 30 years from now, will mm-hmm. everyone own a car other than in big cities like Manhattan? Um, that, so that is the, the multi-billion dollar question. Uh, when you hear people talk about car sharing and ride sharing and autonomous driving, the focus is very much uh, on an urban or semi-urban environment. Um, and people forget that once you move in from the coast, uh, those kinds of services, at least in their present incarnations, don't make nearly as much sense. And no one has presented to me a viable way to deploy even something like uh, uh, Uber in a rural area. So in 50 years, are you still going to have at the very least a pickup truck that you drive yourself? Maybe. Um, and we, we also, going back to the self-driving issue, um, we still haven't seen viable tests of self-driving cars in inclement weather. And that could be a very, very long process to make that work in a blizzard. I mean, it, you kind of trust people who spent 20 years of their lives driving in, in snow to, to drive in, in heavy snow. Would you trust a, a car? And how long is it going to take for us to get there? We'll see. So you're a skeptic. I am. I'm, I definitely lean. Uh, it's funny because, you know, I've been covering technology exclusively for a decade. Um, and I, I think that I've, I, I, I don't trust the regulatory bodies uh, to figure this out in a timely fashion. And I think this is going to be a very protracted process. Um, we're going to get there. The technology is there, everyone's pushing, but it's going to take longer than we think. So Elon Musk has said by the year 2020, he's going mm-hmm. to send people to Mars. <laughs> he says very seriously. And um, you're much more skeptical about the prevalence of autonomous cars I think, in five years. Yeah, I think that uh, uh, sending a self-driving rocket into space <laughs> is much easier to do than putting a, a commercial self-driving car on the road right now. 
Um, I think we have to end there. That's such a powerful <laughs> note to end on. Chris Siegler from The Verge, thank you so much. Thank really you. appreciate it. Hey, thanks for listening. The podcast is done now. If you would like to hear any more Verge extras or if you have any ideas for any Verge extras, let us know. Send me a tweet. I'm at Jorge Tweets. And uh, we'll take it from there. Anyway, thank you for listening, and make sure you listen to all our other podcasts if you don't already. We have The Verge Cast, we have Control Wall Delete, we have Verge ESP, and of course, listen to What's Tech. Um, I produce all of those, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on them. Thanks so much. Bye.